We did have a great time yesterday at the men's retreat, and uh, Tim Fortescue, who's uh, been here uh, before with us, uh, was our um, teacher, and uh, he uh, organizes a ministry to Afghan immigrants in Fremont, and uh, there are thousands of such immigrants there, and God has worked with and through him uh, and others to uh, help a, uh, begin a ministry there. And he was describing a man from Afghanistan who has started a church there among six Afghani refugees, and uh, or immigrants, not necessarily refugees, but immigrants, and uh, how they are each individually growing in their personal spiritual walk with the Lord. And then I was also surprised and delighted to learn that this man, before moving from Afghanistan, had started 12 churches back in Afghanistan. And it was such a, a great little picture and a reminder for me just yesterday of how God is at work both building His church, which is what Jesus said that He would do, and expanding His kingdom, which the New Testament describes as a major emphasis, And all along the while, God is growing individuals in their spiritual development. And that's really what I want to focus uh, our time, our few minutes together today, is that God is interested in spiritually growing women and men and girls and boys, and not just general people, but you, man, you, woman, you, young child, you, teenage student, God is interested in growing and developing you spiritually. And that is such an important facet. In fact, we're going to start today and just a general introduction. And uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about how and some of the ways that God wants to do that in your life. And, and what your part is in cooperating with God's spirit of, uh, of allowing uh, his growth in you. But we do know that our experiences in personal growth and spiritual growth are quite different, right? We, we don't all have the same temperaments. And uh, we don't have the same personalities, and there are times that things that might be meaningful to me may not be all that meaningful to you. There are things that that I'm drawn to that God seems to work in to really shape the person of Christ in me, but for others, it's not all that effective, and there are other means that God will use to grow you. Larry Osborne is a pastor in Southern California, and when he was... First coming to faith and growing, he uh, began to read all sorts of books about spiritual disciplines and things, which which I love. I've read a lot of them, and um, it's language that I resonate with a lot. But here's what he says, because um, his book is subtitled The Contrarian's Guide to Spiritual Growth. And so I need to lean into that, because I need to appreciate the differences that people have. Here's what he says. As he was growing, he said, I got the distinct impression... That God was really partial to reflective types. You ever felt that way? (laughs) That God was really partial to reflective types with high IQs, with impressive vocabularies, and lots of (laughs) self-discipline. And he began, as he was entering into his Christian life before he became a pastor, to wonder, are there things that would help him also grow? Because that did not describe who he was. And... uh, For me, the thought of going for three nights out to a monastery somewhere all by myself in a bag of books, it sounds so wonderful. (laughs) The thought of not speaking a word for three days, I'm like, yes! But Larry Osborne, I know some of you might agree with him, would say, doing something like that is about as close to hell on earth as I could imagine. 
Because it is the last thing that I would ever want to do. Do we have any people like that? I know we do. I know there are. Um, but the idea is just that Jesus, no matter what your particular uh, personality is or temperament is, that God loves you. And His design for you is to shape in you a Christ-likeness. But because of our uniqueness, He will do that differently. The end result... That never changes. It is to be like Jesus. But the way in which God works in your life can be different for so many of us. So starting today, we're going to be discussing some different ways that God will grow us spiritually. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just to give a little setting about what the world does spiritual growth mean. That's what today is all about. And our next 15 minutes or so is all... 10 minutes, 13 minutes, I see. It's all about spiritual growth. And how God wants to do it, just some general thoughts to help kind of prime the pump on our thinking about how does God spiritually grow people. These are just some big general concepts. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing the church there, and, and he describes spiritual growth in some general terms. He says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. You were still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Apollos was an early church leader in this area. He goes on, he says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul, only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task? Now listen, I planted the seed, Paul says, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. This idea of spiritual growth is so important in how we develop and become more and more Christ-like. So I, very quickly, I have four concepts, general ideas that I want to lay out, and uh, I think this will make a lot of sense to us as we go. Number one is that spiritual growth is spirit-ual. Spirit-ual. I want you to hear and to see the word spirit in spiritual growth. Because without spirit, there is no spiritual growth. Now, you and I can do a lot of things. We can read a lot of self-help books. We can do a lot of stuff where we try to adjust our personalities. We try to adjust our thinking. But spiritual growth is something that God's Spirit does in you. Now, there's some cooperation that you and I have to do. There's some openness that we have to to see. There is some availability when God begins to put that finger of conviction and taps our chest and says, this is an area you need to pay attention to. Or God's Spirit comes and begins to warn us about certain activities or lack of action that we're uh, in in danger of being sinful if we were to enter into or or, uh, advocate certain aspects, then we have to be open and listening to that. But you might remember last week we we looked at John chapter 3 when uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a pretty high-ranking spiritual fellow in his day. And he comes to Jesus at night. Because he doesn't want the other Jewish people to see him. And he comes and he says, he gets to ask him some questions. And Jesus' response is, you must be born again if you're going to have any access 
any understanding, any connection to the kingdom of God. Nicodemus starts to scratch his head. So what do you mean? I can't go back into my mother's womb, can I? Come out. And Jesus begins to scratch his head and says, really? You don't understand what I'm talking about. And then he goes on to say about how important it is that one is born from above. Not just important, that it is essential. If you and I are to start growing spiritually, there has to be a place and a moment of spiritual new birth. Now, we talked at the men's retreat about how we don't always, all of us, we can't always point at a particular moment in our lives where where that conversion experience happened. But we sometimes find and realize that that we have uh, opened ourselves, God has opened us to Himself, and, and we are now walking with Him, and our desires have now turned toward Him That is being born from above. The things that are important to God have now become important to me. And we're beginning to see the shaping happen in our life. But it is the work of God. It is spiritual. Spiritual growth is first and foremost spirit, you all. All right? Number two. Spiritual growth is organic and not mechanical. Spiritual growth is organic and not uh, mechanical. What I... I know organic might mean different things to people. What I mean by it is that I'm suggesting it's a natural process that that stimulates healthy development. Organic is used in a lot of concepts, right? And certainly at food, there's the produce section has an organic area. Uh, We talk about organic relationships developing and uh, organic ideas. Mechanical suggests something really quite opposite in, in many regards is that mechanical is the idea of machinery and, and with mechanical if we just put all the right parts and connect them in just the right way then we know this is exactly what's going to happen I had a battery that went out of my car the other day just about two weeks ago right in the parking lot I went out put my key in nothing happened I mean nothing happened and uh, I had to call uh, AAA and they came and they tested it and they said sure enough your battery shot so we I had the guy put in a new battery, and once he got all the cables hooked up, I put the key back in, boom, fired up, and it's been humming right along ever since. But once we got the right, healthy battery in, and everything hooked up just right, all the parts mechanically were working, and guess what? It all came out just right. That's not the way spiritual growth happens. Spiritual growth is an organic process. It's not a mechanical thing. So we don't approach spiritual growth with the idea that if I just do this and this and this, and I do them in this quantity and do them at this frequency and do them just like this other person showed me, and if I just get it all right and in, in the right placement and do everything just right, then somehow spiritual growth is going to develop because it's mechanical. That's not at all the way the Bible describes spiritual growth. It's organic. It's something that God does. It's a relational characteristic. And when we think about the ways that the Bible describes God in relationship, it describes God as a father with his children. It describes Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. It describes a shepherd who who loves his sheep and longs to take care of his sheep along the way. And so organic processes happen. The the disciples, multiple times, you'll see them, something happened. They they come and experience something in their ministry with Jesus, and then they they begin to ask questions, and Jesus guides them 
in a process of understanding. It's a it's an organic process, and God will do that in our lives sometimes. You you enter into an experience, maybe you come in face to face with a financial difficulty, or you've got a job opportunity that that would require a move and a major shift in your life, and and you're forced to really pray about it because the financial thing might be great, but there are other things maybe you're having to trade off, and you're really seeking the Lord's direction and guidance in that decision. And we could go on down the list about how we experience things in life and then we turn to God in those moments and and we seek out His wisdom and we seek out His growth and we learn to be patient in those times and we learn to be open and uh, ready to receive what it is that God has. That's the organic process of spiritual growth. It's organic and it's not mechanical. We don't just put everything in the right sequence. We don't just do the right things because that's more religion. Religion says if you do the right rules and the right uh, rituals, then you have the right relationship. But that's not how Christian life is explained. It's explained first as a relationship and fundamentally as a relationship with the living God. Number three, spiritual growth. It's upward, yet it's meandering in its movement. Right? Speed, speed. I want to say it again, speed, say it with me, speed is not, say that, is not, not. say it together, speed is not, not. let's say it together, speed (laughs) is not, ready, speed is not, it's not what, speed is not God's objective, it is not God's objective, it's always our objective, right? We want to go bigger, faster, stronger. We want to get there faster. We want things to come to us faster. We don't want to wait. We don't want to grow in patience. Speed is not God's objective. When I was playing baseball in uh, elementary school, I'm sorry for you who are from Kansas City, but I played on the Cardinals. I know. I know that's bad. But we were taught as we were being trained in base running. You know, you think, well, what's so hard about running from one base to the next? Well, there's some technique to it. One of the things we were asked first off was, what is the shortest distance between two points? I said, I don't know. I don't care. I just want to learn how to run to a base. Fortunately, someone smarter beside me said, a straight line. I said, oh. <laughs> a straight line. And the coach went on to say, when you're coming from first to second base, you don't want to make an arc to get there because it takes you longer to get there. You want to go in a straight line. Well, I'm here to tell you that often our spiritual growth is not like baseball. It's not the fastest distance from point A to point B. That's not the way, that's not what God is concerned about. It's not, I know it is for us, you want to develop patience, you want to develop a love for this person, you want to develop an ability to forgive, but it usually doesn't happen quickly. It happens through a meandering process. You start here with your spiritual life. And if God grows you and you're faithful in your response to Him, you'll end up on an upward trajectory, but it's not a straight line, is it? It's a meandering process, typically. I I have uh, never been lost on a mountain, and I'm so glad. But I've learned, I think, that if I ever am lost on a mountain and I want to get to the bottom of the mountain, you know what one thing you do? Follow the stream. Which way does the stream go? It flows down. Why is the stream flowing downward? Because there's a force of gravity that's pulling on it. Now here's the connection for your spiritual life. 
is that your life is like a stream. It's not a straight line. It's going to have meanders. It's going to have twists and turns. But there is a force that is pulling on your life. It is the Spirit of God who is pulling on your life to pull you and to draw you closer to Him so that you can reflect more and more the person and the presence of Jesus in your life. It might meander. There might be hallelujah seasons where you're seeing a condensed moment where there's so much good going on and you're seeing so much growth. And I I could go and and enumerate several seasons of my life where uh, I had such accelerated growth for a year or two. But that's not the normal process because those are the hallelujah seasons. But there's also the ho-hum seasons. And you don't quite see where God is at work. And, and you aren't always seeing, and for a long stretch of time, you're not necessarily seeing a lot of growth. But we continue to hang in. We, we walk with the Lord patiently, and, and He continues to grow us because our life and our spiritual growth is meandering, not an upward trajectory. All right. Number four. His spiritual growth is uniquely personal. It's uniquely personal, yet it develops in relationship to others. It's uniquely personal, but it's almost never done in isolation. Certainly God does grow the individual, and He will do it in solitude. Jesus Himself went out to lonely places, and that's really important. I love it. (laughs) Some of you may not. That's okay. But here's, here's what I'm trying to say, is that it is uniquely personal in the way God works with you, but it's always done... In the larger context of community, I'll give you a couple of examples. We know two times, there are many times, but two times in the Bible, two of the strongest stories where God met individuals, but at the end of those encounters, they were connected up with God's people. It's so important, and we're going to develop this, these ideas a little bit more in the weeks to come. The Apostle Paul, remember, he was a great enemy of the church. He was on his way with his entourage to Damascus. He had gotten permission papers to go and persecute the church, and this blinding light comes knocks him off of his horse. He's literally blinded. These scales, the Bible describes, cover his eyes. And he doesn't know what to do, but he's told to get up and go to this particular place in this town of Damascus. God is talking to another Christian man, part of the Christian community there, and he says, Paul is about to come. You're supposed to go and meet him. And the man says, no, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. Because he knew what would likely happen if he came and told Paul that he's a Christian man and what Paul would do to him. God says, you need to go and do this. In the moment that Ananias encountered Paul, he lays his hands on him and prays over Paul. The scales of Paul's eyes fall off. And that's the beginning of Paul's ministry and all that we know that came out of his life through God's grace in him. But it started not, not from the individual encounter alone, but it was from the embrace of the community. And our growth always has a, a dual aspect. It's individual and uniquely for you, but it's also God wants to connect you to the community. The other one is Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah had this great uh, encounter with the Lord, saw this pyrotechnic display fall down from the heavens. Uh, the, the prophets of Baal were dealt with. He's seen amazing things that God does. And, and then he goes off, and I don't know why, but he's in this really down blue place. I don't know if it's depression or, or what it was, but he is really, really bummed out. And he says, God, I'm all alone, and I'm putting up this spiritual fight for you all by myself. Why don't you just kill me? Because I'm tired of it. And then... On this mountain, 
This great earthquake shakes the mountain. But God is not in the earthquake. And then a fire comes through the mountain. But God is not in the fire. And this great wind blows. And the rocks are flying everywhere. But God is not in the wind. And then Elijah steps forward. And the Bible says in this quiet, still voice, God speaks to Elijah. God dealt and interacted with Paul in a different way than he encountered Elijah. For Paul, it was a blinding light, a big booming voice. At the end of the encounter with Elijah, it was a still, small voice. Because God connects with you uniquely in the way you need Him to. His end goal is the same for all of us. That Jesus would be formed in us, that He will uniquely touch and work in your life. And then with Elijah, as God works with him, He says, Elijah, you're not alone. In fact, there are thousands, thousands, not dozens, but thousands of other people who are still faithful. And God connects Elijah to some of them. This is the way God works. It's never in isolation, and it's not just you and God. It's always a connection to your faith community that is so important. And that's why I'm so happy that over the next 8 and 12 months, we're going to be continuing to develop our small group ministries to allow more of that personal connection to happen. All right, I lied. I'm over time. But we're going to be exploring some of these things a bit more um, Specifically, in detail, in the weeks to come, we're going to drill down on some of them. And I think you're going to be blessed as we together seek out how God wants to grow. We know what the end result is, right? What is it? To be like who? Yeah. Who is that? Christ. To be like Jesus. That, that is the end goal. But there's a lot of different ways that God will work in your life to shape Christ-likeness into you. And you don't want to neglect it. And it is such a joy to enter into it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love of our lives. A love that does not let us go. A love that continues to seek us. A love that continues to to love us so deeply that you would want to change us. And to see Jesus formed more and more in our personalities. So that the things that are important to you become important to us. Your priorities become our priorities in our marriages and in our parenting and in my being a brother or a sister. In all of the things that I I live, the places where I am, God, shape me, shape us to be just like Jesus, we pray. It's in His name that we ask it together. Amen.